This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. food movement. This is Very Good Talk with, well, me, Jessica Waite, and I have uh, with me today Phil Esteban and his team from WellFed. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thanks for for being here. This is so exciting. Um, So I want to go ahead and get started with just a brief introduction um, of the team, and then maybe we can start talking about Phil and his culinary career and all of his magic um, after that. So Taylor, do you want to kick it off? Uh, My name is Taylor Schaefer. Um, I'm a part of WellFed for about a year now. Um, So our entire group is called Open Gym, and WellFed is the restaurant that we're opening up, um, hopefully around... 2021, early 2021. Awesome. Yeah, and there's another member that's like not spoken for here. Uh, Lee J is another guy who's also involved with WellFed and Open Gym. Um, I just jumped in without introducing <laughs> myself. <laughs> You're absolutely good. Um, I'm Irwin Hines. I uh, am a contributor to WellFed and Open Gym as a brand designer and brand strategist. Great, awesome. And then I'm Philip Esteban, the uh, chef of WellFed. All right, and I was totally going to jump in with your career, but I kind of want to ask now, tell us a, a, just really quickly what WellFed is. Uh, WellFed is a, um, it's a restaurant hospitality group that's focused on um, bringing the community together through food and through experience and through culture. Awesome. And that is so much a part of what Very Good Food wants to help support within our community as we try to bring everyone closer to their food and help them make healthy food choices. Um, so, Phil, this is something you've been doing for a while. How did you get started in cooking? And, you know, what are your inspirations? Um, uh, yeah, I guess yeah, I've been cooking now, I think, about 17 years. Uh-huh. And um, uh, it really all started with my grandmother. Um, I was four years four years old, and uh-huh. I loved to bake, or I loved to eat chocolate cake and carrot cake. And so Honestly. my grandmother, <laughs> uh, my grandmother just got tired of making it for me. So she, like, just taught me how to make it to the point where I just didn't need a recipe. It was just going off of memory. And at that point, I was six, and uh, I never really thought about cooking as a career. I don't think the resources were out there for people to even realize that you could do it for a living. Got it. And so a uh, typical Asian family going down kind of like med- medical or doctor route. So mm-hmm. I was going to school for that. Um, and then one of my roommates in college was, I always hosted like dinner parties and cooked for friends and family. And they were just like, why don't you just drop out and go to culinary school? You seem <laughs> happier. Awesome. So I did. Um, you know, obviously my parents were, were reluctant at first, but <clears throat> I uh, it was my first sous chef job, I think, in 2000, 2005 or 2006, um, and it was at the Guild in Barrio Logan. Uh, Paul Basil owned it. It was his first kind of, he took his metal shop, cut it in half, and opened up a restaurant, and so that was actually my first sous chef job, and 
the first and only time my parents ever came to a <laughs> restaurant that I ran. But you know, I fed them. They were extremely happy. They could see the passion and the joy. And afterwards, they never asked again, like why I chose to do what I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I think when your parents actually see that your choices had real meaning and intention, yeah. and it wasn't just a whim, they decide to support you for the yeah. most part. I think that's yeah. awesome. Um, so you know. Going backward just a sec, um, where did you grow up? Where was um, that? Actually, I grew up in National City. Okay. Um, so when yeah, I was born at Balboa Hospital, but we grew up in National City. Um, and then afterwards, after National City, we kind of moved around the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. We lived down in San Ysidro um, to Paradise Hills. And so there's just a lot of memories in South Bay. Yeah. And what was that food community like? like what was the community like? Um, competing compared to now? Uh I mean, not that I could remember, <laughs> but um, I mean, it was still it was still really rough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, um, the Navy base was just right there, so um, and the community was still building. There wasn't really much there. It actually still looks very similar to the way yeah. it is now. Um, just a lot of a lot a lot of the um, old history has kind of gone. Like Kimball Park used to be a zoo there, and that zoo is gone now. Okay. And so there's a lot just changed. Yeah, um, I mean, which is natural for yeah, any yeah. kind of a, a community to, to evolve. But it's nice that you have that memory of it and growing up. And the, I love hearing that about your, your history with the cake. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really functional. Um, so, like, just make the cake. <laughs> like, yeah. That's great. Um, so one of the things I've known, I haven't known you that well. I mean, we run parallel a lot in the, in the food community. But I have seen you at a lot of events that are supporting local organizations. Um, recently, it was all at the Olivewood Garden Seedling Store. Mm-hmm. And I saw you picking something from the garden to put yeah. on your dish. And, and I just, I mean, I love seeing that so much. It's really just, it's really um, inspiring. Um, how, how has working with local farms really impacted your culinary kind of evolution? Well, I think, too, uh, working with local farms and uh, local programs like that, that mm-hmm. work with particularly Olivewood Garden Learning Center that uh, works with Sweetwater High School. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of educating and teaching the youth. We do different programs from uh, fifth graders um, to six to seven to high schoolers where we plant the seeds, where we grow um, we grow uh, the vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have them harvest it, and then we even go into the mulch phase. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a full circle. And then at the end of the year, we, we cook a meal uh, with everything that they've grown over the season um, and teach them techniques, teach, teach them recipes. They bring it home, and then we cook for their families at the end of the mm-hmm. quarter. That's incredible. It's, it's so important. It's so, so admirable to be a, see a chef who is that focused on bringing things you know, to the community. As a, You have this incredible platform. It would be really easy for you to just stay in your restaurant and be awesome, yeah. but mm-hmm. to really even be more awesome and going out and, and sharing your knowledge um, to try to help inspire change. That's incredible. Um, so I know some people say when you talk about and chefs and restaurateurs, talk about sourcing from local farms and local fishermen there are challenges you know it's, it's more mm-hmm. expensive there's kind of the infrastructure issues um do you have you cha- faced challenges and how have you really managed to m- mitigate those or overcome those yeah i mean there there are a lot of challenges um it's not a bad thing working with mm-hmm. local farms and local fishermen but like you said the sometimes the infrastructure isn't there mm-hmm. um sometimes working with a, a bigger company they have the resources to you know find whatever it is that you need or deliver in certain times or days. Um, but when you work with local farmers, it is just that extra step. But I feel like in San Diego, 
or in other cities, it's very normal. Mm -hmm. Like when I worked in Portland, they don't have a specialty produce. Mm -hmm. You actually just go straight to the farms. Mm -hmm. And you have to create these one relationships first, and then you have to figure out what they're growing and you bring it in. You know, we we actually have the luxury here of specialty produce and the other companies to kind of uh, be that middle ground to find and source these things. And um, I think a lot of it, too, it's, it's kind of made us uh, relax a little bit in that. Yeah. Um, but kind of working, like, with the the local fishermen, the local mm-hmm. farms, um, it actually is rebuilding those connections and those relationships. Completely. And, and that's one thing I think Very Good Food <clears> is really <throat> focused on is help, helping to make those connections. Mm. I know there's some chefs like yourself who seem very comfortable going out and making them yourself and kind of forging that <clears> path. <throat> um, what kind of inspiration do you draw from the farms and the local fishermen? Well, I, I think, too, when um, like as we go deeper into what well-fed is, but uh-huh. if you try and cook authentic food, let's say from the Philippines, there's certain ingredients that grow there, and that's why they use it. Uh-huh. Um, and if we're trying to make authentic food here in San Diego, you should still use what's grown here locally. Absolutely. And even if you have to change the dish up a little bit, um, the inspiration is there. But the but the idea of just saying mm-hmm. we don't have this vegetable in the Philippines that we uh-huh. normally have here, why don't you just use a product that's very either similar or something that grows in abundance and be able to use it? Yeah, no, that's incredible. It makes it just makes so much more sense, and mm-hmm. it tastes so much better too mm-hmm. when you actually can take the stuff from the ground and get it to the plate. And there's yeah. just there's so much goodness and and food that's fresh and local. Um, so again, I, you mentioned specialty produce, and I want to send a huge thanks to Roger Harrington, who's on his board, and his brothers for having this amazing organization that lets us host this podcast here at the Specialty Produce Network. Um, so starting to transition, I think we're all on the edge of our seats about this well-fed project and how this team works together. But, um, you know, when we were kind of interacting before, you mentioned taking some time with your family and kind of starting to to take this new direction from the career that was obviously kind of a fast-paced and um, challenging and demanding career. So Mm -hmm. what really kind of drove that? Well, I I think um, just over the years as I really, um, I guess, kind of positioned myself in my career in Mm -hmm. terms of where I I wanted to work and what what I was seeking after – I was always told, like, you know, find the chef that's doing what you want to do and then work for them. Absolutely. And so I traveled a lot and been fortunate enough to work for some amazing chefs, amazing groups across the country. And then coming back to San Diego um, over the last couple of years, I've just been thinking about what that what that transition looks like for me. Mm-hmm. And how does that how does it um, kind of help me grow? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, and and it ultimately led into the project that I'm doing in National City. And um, I think just with uh, with family, with career, um, and what I hope to achieve mm-hmm. um, in this project, it was just a natural progression. And can you tell us a little bit about what you hope to achieve? Like what <laughs> – I, I kind of still feel like we're yeah. pe- peeling back the layers of like yeah, what yeah. is this and what yeah. inspires you and like what are you hoping to accomplish with this? Yeah, you know, honestly, we're still – as a group, we're still mm-hmm. peeling back the layers mm-hmm. as well. Um, and, you know, I've been big on themes and one that we talk about right now is, is we're calling it identity uh-huh. and, um, you know, identity as, as us as a group, as individuals, uh, me as a chef mm-hmm. and what I hope to, um, to give back to the community, not mm-hmm. just in the community of the actual community, but community in, in the food world mm-hmm. and chefs. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, 17 years of, of cooking and, and knowledge and, 
experience, um, kind of what better way to apply all those experiences to my own culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I went to culinary school, it was French cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no course on, even when we did, you know, what they called Asian cuisine and they did Pacific Rim, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was no Philippines in mm-hmm. that uh, course, um, let alone um, once I got into the workforce, you know, you were then taught modern American or you could find like when I was at Momofuku, you could do it was Korean food, but French technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was an article released in Chicago Eater that said um, young, young black cooks need more black chef mentors. Mm-hmm. And it was something that hit home. And my friend uh, Lamar Moore, was, he was the one that was written about um, in that article. But it, there was a lot of inspiration as I talked to him about it. It goes the same thing, um, you know, young young Asians or young mm-hmm. Filipino cooks need Filipino chef mentors. And if I actually try and name a chef in San Diego, I mean, you really, it's hard-pressed to find someone at that level that's ready to teach and educate, let alone across the country. Mm-hmm. You know, if I opened up another American restaurant, mm-hmm. it would just be like every other 50 restaurants in San Diego. Yeah. Um, but now for me, it's something that I could apply everything I've learned from all the chefs, from the history, from techniques to ideas, and apply it to my own culture and own mm. food. Yeah. And, you know, again, just to be part of the conversation, to be part of the table versus, I'm not saying it's the best cuisine, but it's just something that needs its time in the light. And um, what we hope to build as a group and together, um, hopefully it'll kind of help push that movement. I, I think so too. I think bringing in diversity into our culinary scene, or you know, scene—I don't know the best word for that—but our culinary community is probably better. Bringing in a range of different options um, to highlight that local food, to highlight those traditions that yeah. you bring with you—that'll help keep the richness of our culture. That we don't—we don't, we don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, just as somebody who loves to go out to eat at different restaurants, like I don't want to lose diversity. Now, you know, I want more of that, and I think that's yeah. what people really crave. And then also authenticity too. It's, um, you know, I think we're all tired of big box chains and, you know, and, and chain restaurants and the idea that we can go have an experience that tells the story of, of you and your family and yeah. your culture. I think that's, that's huge. It's exciting and it opens people's eyes to um, the fact that we're all different yeah. and we should embrace that. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, I think um, that's something we actually talk about. So we meet like multiple times a week. Uh-huh. And like Phil said, it's this constant exploration of what this place will be and what this space mm-hmm. will be. There's like the tenets of like we're creating something that it will express this culture. Mm-hmm. But we always talk about the idea of platform brands and that mm-hmm. goes outside of even like culinary. But for us and like for me personally, over the past couple of years, the space of culinary has become one of the richest opportunities to truly express and tell a cultural narrative or a cultural story or an area's story because it hits on every single sense, yeah. right? Like other brands like a Nike big and can tell all of these rich stories. They still don't, they're still not able to touch or create this holistic immersive experience mm-hmm. that truly embodies a culture or a society. When you sit inside of a restaurant, no matter where you are, if it's like telling this authentic story, you get sound, you get sight, you get touch, you get, Smells. Yeah. I don't know why I left that laugh. But you get you get all of you get every single sense is sort of like um, engaged and you're active and like experience this culture. So that's something we constantly are talking about from both ends. Where it's like, how do we from the outside when people are coming to this space? How is it authentically telling this like 
very unique story, which is Phil's story, mm -hmm. but also how do we act as a platform that's amplifying the voices of that community and allowing that community to be engaged and interactive as well to tell their story. So how do you create a space that's both for the community and of the community and engaged and involved in the community? Completely. Yeah. And I think it's very telling that you brought this to National City, correct? Or you're yeah. planning on bringing this to National City. What did that decision process look like for you? Um, it was actually like a, a course over like five years, mm -hmm. truly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the building that, um, that I lived in was, uh, was owned and developed by um, this architect named Andrew Malik. And um, ever since I moved in there, he was like, Hey, I know you. You work for Concern Holdings. Mm -hmm. um, I've been following you for a while. You should actually own your own restaurant. Yeah. And I was like, eh, you know, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know, so one day. Um, but um, as like, as we start to dive deeper in, uh, a conversation came up where he brought up National City, uh -huh. and that's kind of where it started to pique my interest. Yeah. And as we kind of um, talked more, and we talked about what he was creating and why he was creating it, it really like all of our ideas kind of aligned. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, you know, with uh, with working with developers and, you know, working with consortium and working, and you kind of work with different people, sometimes they always want something mm -hmm. in terms of, okay, we want your restaurant here because of this. Mm -hmm. um, but Andrew's been a huge supporter and someone that has been um, a catalyst for what we want to build in National City and um, what he hopes to embrace in the project it's not just something that it's going to come in and, and gentrify the area. Mm -hmm. And I know that's kind of a, yeah. be, a big key term right now. Yeah. A lot of people are always like, gentrification this, gentrification that. And gentrification is a good thing, but it's always used in this wrong connotation. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think gentrification is not always bad. Mm -hmm. It's when you terraform an environment, that's mm -hmm. when it becomes bad. When you yeah. come into an environment and completely try and transform and change it to make it livable for somebody who's not from there, Completely. that's when it's bad. When it's yeah. people who are coming back, reinvesting into the community, that's when it can actually be a very beneficial thing for oh, the community. Completely. Yeah. And inspiring the people yeah. who yeah. are still there, who have watched you leave, and might be even more inspired by the fact that you chose to come back exactly. and honor and, your roots. I think that's the, the big thing, too, is that we don't want to displace anyone. Mm -hmm. And the project, the overall project site, uh, which is 130,000 square foot, um, it's a multi-mix unit, um, and we'll only be a, a 3,000 square feet space mm -hmm. in that whole thing. But as a whole project site, we're, we're looking to not displace anyone. We're right. actually hoping to raise the value and the businesses um, around us yeah. um, awesome. to help raise economy so that they don't get displaced and they could actually come and enjoy the restaurant. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And and that kind of uh, leads to my next question. You're yeah. being really helpful. I appreciate that. <laughs> but how do you anticipate this project giving back to the community? Um, there's a lot of different um, scenarios, but you know one of the biggest things is we're in a opportunity zone, mm -hmm. uh, which um, really helps the local community and the local business as well. And so, uh, with local programs like um, a reason to survive, mm -hmm. yeah. um, the Olivewood Garden Learning Center, um, I do work for Kitchens for Good as well, awesome. and cooking in the 45. Um, the 45 elementary, middle, and high schools. Uh -huh. um, and so there's a lot of, um, whether it's opportunity for employment, for, um, 
you know, purchasing. Mm-hmm. I know the reason to survive is going to be making all the tables mm-hmm. and the students there from refurbished wood. That's also, awesome. yeah. that's found in National City. And so we're trying, just trying to tie everything back home. Yeah. yeah, just bring it back to the local community and support, mm-hmm. support as many as possible. I think that's that's so admirable and it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's and inspiring. I was, and I was going to say, I think it's going to function macro and micro where yeah. we're going to be doing these things when it's like, yeah, when it first opens up. Um, giving that opportunity for a reason to survive to make things for it. Mm-hmm. But also, how do we continue that engagement with the community? Completely. Of course, we'll be continuing with Olive Wolf Garden and making sure we're doing food education, yeah. but also from the standpoint of utilizing all of the skill sets that are involved with the well-fed team, where it's like we can then go and give back and help teach classes in design and help teach classes in business development and all of that stuff. That's incredible. So we truly want to figure out ways to be involved and really be a community member as opposed to even just being like, in the community, but be a member of the community. That's that's incredible, and it's funny you see recently in the in the news. You look at these big corporations who are signing these um, commitments to be better and do mm-hmm. better business, and then you look at grassroots organizations and movements like this that are really doing business well. Like that's to me, I think it's one of the most impact, impactful things we can do is to build businesses because that's a really great you know way to have more impact to mm-hmm. further our reach than just as individuals. Yeah. Um, so. I kind of feel like I want to hear more from Taylor. She's all the way down there. Um, so I guess, you know, if I could just ask you, how did you become part of this team? What inspires you about it? And what's your role? All right. Um, so <laughs> I joined the team about a year ago, um, around this time last year. I had just graduated um, from design school, and I was working at a big architecture firm um, called LPA in Barrio mm-hmm. Logan. And I was finishing up there, and I told myself that I wanted to take a few months off to just kind of relax and figure out where I wanted to go from there. And I got a month in and got really bored. Um, So then I asked um, one of my friends, who is actually the other uh, member of Open Gym, that he's not here, um, I asked him what he was up to because I had noticed he was hanging out with this group of guys. Mm -hmm. And if they needed any help with whatever, and I had no idea what they were up to, I just was <laughs> just curious. And I met with all of them, and then basically from the first time that I met most of them, uh, we just kind of started working together from there. And ever since, what I've, what's kept me with this group mm-hmm. and what I've admired from this group is that, and we all knew that there was going to be a restaurant and maybe multiple restaurants mm-hmm. um, that would be built from us. But from day one, it wasn't just us jumping in and figuring out how to create this huge, shiny, cool place. It was more of team building and like core value building that we really focused on. And instead of just getting way too excited and figuring out how to open this thing as soon as possible, like most people do, we really scale ourselves back. And when we do feel like we're getting a little bit lost in the mix, we always come back to each other and yeah. figure out how to reground ourselves and refocus on our values. Of, and that's what, something that bigger businesses don't do. And that gets lost, and then they have to later go on and fix that. But mm-hmm. I think with us, we're starting that from the beginning and from the get-go. And we're all very clear with our intentions, and we're very understanding of each other and we're all willing to keep each other in check. That's yeah. So that's going to be yeah. good for us. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that Taylor had is that um, for us, it's we 
you know, how do you, how do you build and how do you shape culture? Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing that we talk about a lot is that there's very few things that actually shape culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's dance, it's music, it's food. Mm -hmm. and, um, and how do we bring all those things together? And how do we um, do it in a way where it's um, it definitely intentional, um, but, but organic? Mm -hmm. And we, we're always aware of, like, to ground ourselves and make sure that a lot of things, you know, um, kind of come our way sometimes and you can't really jump at everything and you just have to make sure that it's meaningful and they align with your values. Completely. Um, that way it just, it doesn't get watered down. Completely. And so with this project and what we hope to build, we're always constantly going back and retooling and mm -hmm. reassessing uh, kind of what we want to do and what we hope to achieve. Yeah. It's, it's so important to have that strong foundation. Yeah. And I think going just riffing off that same thing, it's this realization and understanding that a, a brand in itself is just a collection of or an ecosystem of touch points that kind of conveys these feelings and emotions. But all of that is rooted in some type of movement that you're trying to spark, which is really rooted in community. And community is made up of a bunch of individuals um, who are human beings and people. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it really does all come back to that so all of the things that we're trying to do are truly rooted in like community and just being there for people uh, being there for individuals and trying to understand that individual need and then delivering on whatever that need is tenfold the idea is to deliver on that need but like exceed the expectations of whatever that need is so we have like a few other projects where we utilize to test like ideas and concepts mm -hmm. um, that we're constantly running um, from pop-up dinners to just participating in um, some of the other sort of like uh, neighbors events, neighbors and events <laughs> and experiences um, that go outside of food, but it truly utilizes again the the idea that food is this space where you do touch all the senses and you can utilize almost every single art form. So we utilize food as this unifying factor or this conduit to kind of spread empathy That's by incredible. bringing all the different communities together, which is sort of a direct reflection of like what brought us together, right? So he's a chef, I'm a designer interior designer and then we have a guy who's like manager of a dance group mm -hmm. as well as owns his, owns his own gym <laughs> yeah. but yeah. it's that multifaceted nature and the sort of the bringing together of these disparate people mm -hmm. that makes it special and unique and that's what we try and sort of help want to help the community to realize that it's truly about empathy and food is this the moment where we all come together it's, as yeah, a family, no matter a, who we a are. Language. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. And you look at, I feel like there's so much um, lack of forward movement because of silos, right? Yes. And mm -hmm. so when you take an organization like this and you got, bring all of these things. I get excited when you I, know, I, <laughs> I feel like we're all speaking the same language. <laughs> yeah. it's, um, but you, know, you see that and all of a sudden that's when synergy happens yes. because yeah. you have these individuals who are trying to accomplish these different things. You guys come together. You have this artistic passion, excitement, and really drive to create this momentum for positive change in mm -hmm. this community and beyond. Yeah. And now you can you can all work your magic in your different ways, and it's going to be really impactful. Yeah. And um, when that happens, you remove <clears throat> the competition that sort of mm -hmm. like cannibalizes each other, <laughs> and then you start to collaborate. Yeah. You start to build something unique. Or in something else we always talk about is – Society in general is super polarizing mm -hmm. right now. People are in these like echo chambers digitally and even in the physical world. We are trying to maneuver in that gray area, which is, again, where food operates. It's yeah. in that gray area because you can have somebody on the far right and far left 
all enjoying the same food. They're all going to be hungry. They're all, <laughs> yeah. right? all going to smell your and food. So they, they're all going to be, begin table. to have conversations, and yeah. that's how we progress as a society. So we yeah. view like food and the space around food and the experience around food and all the things it touches as this opportunity to truly push forward culture and society that's that's incredible um you know it's funny i feel like i'm going to say like every podcast video i'm going to be like oh like 25 minutes and then i'm looking at the clock yeah. but i still have more questions these guys are phenomenal um so i guess really just um moving forward with this project mm-hmm. uh, you said 2020 yeah well end of 2020 early uh-huh. 2021 you know Take your delays. time get it yeah. right yeah exactly yeah, yeah. but um what does like if you were to say like okay well this is my project you obviously have a lot of love and passion into this what does like success look like for you um success um actually i was asked that um yesterday and uh, (laughs) yeah no i I mean still it's still drawing a blank in terms of you know i don't try and look at the the success as um as like a a a sense of value Mm -hmm. to anything but i think that success to me really um for me as a chef and what it brings from i'm I'm sure we all have different levels of, of success to this project but for me, it's um, one cultural representation, mm-hmm. um, uh, visibility for the Filipino community. Yeah. I think, especially in national city, you could go to any city in the world and you know where Chinatown is, you know where yeah. Koreatown is, um, <clears throat> but you don't know where Filipino town mm-hmm. is yeah. um, because we adapt very well and mm-hmm. uh, and we kind of like to stay, I guess, like the number two versus yeah. <laughs> moving up. <Yeah. laughs> Kind of behind the scenes okay, uh, in it. support, yeah. and um, not a lot of people know that that Filipino town in San Diego is national city. Mm-hmm. There's 200,000 Filipinos in yeah. in San Diego. Twenty percent still live in San, in national city. Mm-hmm. Eighty to ninety percent still have a connection to national city, whether it's through family, friends, you know, something work. I don't mm-hmm. know, but mm-hmm. um, and you know, to to bring that visibility. Um, to the community and to the to the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, but also um, for me the impact to 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 bring in young cooks uh, of minority from the area from South Bay um, to come and work at at a restaurant. I mean, you know, 17 years ago, I never thought in my mind up until like a few years ago to to want to do Filipino food, mm-hmm. and how do I apply that to my own culture and these experiences, and so. Like if I asked my younger self, like, where do I go work now to go learn Filipino food? There wasn't. Mm -hmm. There still isn't. Fast forward 17 years. There's a few kind of coming up now. Um, But if you say one in San Diego, there, you know, there isn't. And so how do you, I think there's an opportunity to capture that market. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a few young chefs that are um, starting to help with that movement right now. Um, But I think... um, where I've been able to go in my career, where I've been able to work, it allows um, this platform mm. and a bigger voice uh, and the support in the community, not just in just in South Bay, but across San Diego now. That's awesome. And, you know, hopefully five, ten years from now, if we ask that question, where does a young chef go to learn this art, you're going to be able to have a really great answer <laughs> yeah. for him. I'm excited for yeah. that. Um, so is there anything else you guys feel like you really want to share, you know, about, about your project, about your excitement or your vision? Well, I, you know, truthfully, I think this is the first time we're we're really talking about the direction mm-hmm. of yeah. well fed mm-hmm. um, in any platform or whether it's podcast or mm-hmm. uh, article, um, and so we are actually going to go uh, and do Filipino food, um, and that is the goal. It is going to be, um, I wouldn't say fine dining, mm-hmm. but I, I will say it's it'll be an elevated experience. Mm-hmm. 
um, kind of this food where um, a lot of a lot of people say that it can't go because um, it is it is comfort food. It is meant to be um, served at your family's party, mm-hmm. and and even the namesake of well fed is that yeah. if you've ever been to a Filipino party, <laughs> like you will just be forced to constantly awesome. eat. <laughs> and when you and then when you're done eating and you're ready yeah. to leave, they pack you up. Uh, what they call baon, and they pack you food to go. So you I have love food. This party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. this party. Um, and so it's kind of in in the namesake of mm-hmm. what's keeping you well fed, and yeah. to stay well fed um, in just your mind and your health and your community. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think it's exciting um, to cook Filipino food and mm-hmm. to apply apply all these techniques and ideas that I've mm-hmm. learned over the years. Um, like for instance, we have this. Uh, like I'm, I'm making and uh, fermenting our own banana vinegar right now. Awesome. And um, that base will be used to make our kind of our in-house, what we call jufron, but it's like this banana ketchup, and it's it's like That's a dipping amazing. sauce for like pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to make our own in-house version, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know there's other cultural um, dishes that I've started to break down to where. If if you are Filipino, it's kind of this whimsical play, mm-hmm. and you're like, I didn't know I could have Filipino food in that way. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not, it's still inviting and it's still um, uh, welcoming. And to, to like, I think that's why Filipino food hasn't gone to that level yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because you you go to the restaurants and it's it's not made, it's not doctored up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this food that's just kind of scooped and put onto <laughs> your plate. And so a lot of people, when they go... Uh, they just it's not appealing to the eye. Yeah. And so how do you apply those techniques to kind of make it more approachable to a larger demographic but still keeping it authentic yeah. uh, to the food to where if you are Philippine, you go and you're like, oh, you know, salted egg and tomatoes. Like uh-huh. I know this dish. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so uh, I think for me that's where that identity is coming into play. We're, we're just exploring that right now. Yeah. Um, and pretty soon we're going to be doing monthly pop-ups Yes, uh, so I can have of, this banana Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll be the experience of well-fed and uh-huh. the, the exploration of the food. Mm-hmm. And so from when we when – we, it'll be small pop-ups, uh, 20 people max. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple of different locations, but it'll be – you have to follow Experience Well-Fed on Instagram, awesome. and then you'll get all the information there. Um, but I think the first one will be in December. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, it'll pick up every single month. That's exciting. And I'm sure we'll be so excited to share about that on our Very Good Food platform as well. Um, so if anybody wants to get in touch with you or follow you, what's the best way? Are we on Instagram? You mentioned Instagram. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Brand guy, oh, okay. go ahead. No, it's, it's experience Well Fed. <laughs> yeah. Just follow Experience okay. Well Fed. Right now, there's not a lot of content. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sort of building that up and really trying to figure out the narrative and story that we truly want to tell. But follow it. There will be stuff on there. For sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is really well, Thank you guys so much for being here on this show and telling this story because I know um, anyone listening is going to be so inspired by this. This is really incredible. No, thank you for having thank us. You. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any any last thoughts? Anything? I mean, you just said it. You wrapped it up right there, and yeah. then you had yeah. me with the banana ketchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, that's awesome, you guys. Thank you so much. And um, we will be looking forward to kind of following your progress and staying um, in the loop. So thank you. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Absolutely.